0: This episode of Relativity is made possible through the support of Stephen and Catherine Farris, Ryan Farwell, Paul Van Bremen, Bill Cariola, Heather Van Waldick, and Michael W. McClure. And by listeners like you, who support us and get exclusive content through patreon.com slash relativity.
1: Relativity. 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 I found what I think are vital parts for the relativity compensators that were intended for the other three ships in your fleet.
2: Yeah, but we... But Konieczny got a complete, intact relativity compensator, didn't it? And we were the only ones who did.
1: And five years later, one of the people on board your ship tried to destroy it.
2: Okay. I think this means you are going to have to finally explain to me once and for all exactly what this thing does.
1: Yes, but only after warning you that not like
3: what you hear. Relativity, episode 40, in which Sophia and Chris are connected.
0: Uh, Konechny, please stand by. Boss, before you start telling him about the parts of this that he's not gonna like, will you tell me what it is he's not gonna like? I mean, are you talking about how the compensator may have been what caused, what made Captain Sadana do what she did?
1: That's
2: basically it.
0: Kanyeshne, this is Mission Control. Thank you for standing by.
2: Well, you certainly have my undivided attention.
0: Chances are you already understand more of this than you think you do.
2: One of the biggest problems
1: in explaining the workings of the compensator to laypersons is that they will inevitably compare it to the concepts from the last hundred years of science fiction. And, in fact, it is
2: nothing like any of those. Oh, okay, because I have always assumed it's kind of a warp bubble.
1: Okay, put that out of your mind. It is not a warp bubble. We do not know how to warp space. If we did, believe me, we'd be doing it. Got it.
2: This is not warping space.
1: Relativity Compensator is a nickname, a convenient shortcut, but it's really I know, called-
2: it's the Fabricatory Quantum Dimensional Oscillator. How did you know that? I looked it up. I'm not a physicist, but I do know how to read.
1: Well, it's called a dimensional oscillator because it creates vibratory patterns throughout any suitable structure to which it's attached. An oscillation at a subatomic level. This allows ordinary matter to take on the particular qualities of quantum particles. Uh
2: Uh-huh. You
1: don't have to pretend like you're following
2: this. No, I really think I'm getting the general idea.
1: Well, okay then. Yeah, oscillation, subatomic, quantum. The result is a field surrounding the structure. In your case, the ship you're traveling on. And that permits the structure to be effectively unchanged in time and space, even while the field surrounding the structure is traveling at velocities approaching the speed of light. Can I, can I jump in here? Yes, Marcus, thank you, please do. Uh, but let's, uh, one moment.
3: Flight,
1: Flight Director to all stations, stations system, system Specialist Dupree and I are switching to a, to a private channel. channel. All other the monitors will be switched to mute. Continue to observe ship functions. If you have, have no routine monitoring, monitoring at this time, time please, please leave the control room until you're your called back. Okay, now it's
2: just the three of us. And I think I've already forgotten everything you said.
0: It's like the field generated by the compensator is what's traveling at the speed of light. And the ship inside the field is being pulled along inside it, only it's not moving while it's inside the field.
2: Uh, no, Marcus, that's that's making it worse. I think I was close to understanding until you said that.
1: I know, it's an exotic concept, to say the least.
2: To say the least.
1: But Marcus is basically right. The field keeps your ship in the same space-time as it was when it left Earth's orbit.
2: And that's why we're having this conversation in real time as if Einstein was wrong about time and space and everything. Yes,
1: and why your 20 years of travel on your ship will be the same 20 years that pass here on Earth. For the field surrounding your ship, it will be much longer, hundreds of years.
2: But they told us that we would ultimately be saying goodbye to the Earth we know.
1: Only because when you
0: reach a new world, you will have to break out of the compensator field. And when you do it, you will be hundreds of years in Earth's future. That last contact you have before breaking out of it will be... Well, it'll be the last contact you have.
1: But until then, you are in the same space and time
2: as we are. So it's a warp bubble. It's not not a warp 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 bubble. bubble. Sounds like a warp bubble.
0: The field is still traveling through normal space where the rules of relativity apply.
2: You know, I had just gotten my headache under control, and now it's back. I was
1: hoping that you'd understand why Peter couldn't blow the thing up with a homemade bomb. Remember when you were out there looking at the compensator?
2: Oh yeah, I said it looked like it was spinning or something. Right,
1: it's oscillating in a different time frame than the rest of the ship. From the perspective of the compensator, that bomb went off incredibly slowly, so the force of its explosion would have been practically nothing.
0: Yeah, so no single part of the compensator was ever in the same space and time as any other energy released by the explosion.
2: Uh, and, And because the ship is traveling at a different speed from the space immediately around us, When we look out from the ship...
1: You get a distorted view of the universe.
2: Or a view of the universe as it really is, beyond our limited perception as creatures who are locked into four dimensions of time and space.
1: Uh, Yes, that's that's what some scientists believe,
2: yes. You're surprised I came up with that?
1: Uh, Honestly, yes.
2: Honestly, so am I. That was odd. It was like somebody else was talking inside my head, like, like, like I was taking dictation, and I just read back to you what I'd been told.
1: I don't understand.
2: Neither do I. And anyway, all of this is very helpful to know, and now I'm wondering why you wouldn't tell me about it before. You, you said weeks ago that it wasn't something I needed to know. I thought it wasn't. And Marcus, you, you could have told me. You could have explained all of this when I asked about it. I had told him not to. Really?
0: She did. I was under orders to change the subject whenever the function of the compensator
2: came up. Imagine my curiosity now. Chris... At the time, we didn't know who
1: might still be alive on the ship, who had tried to destroy the Compensator, or exactly what had happened to... to Captain Sedona.
2: We do know. She saw the universe filtered through this field created by the Compensator, and it utterly crushed her sense of her own importance. And in her despair, she flung herself out into space.
1: That's the kind of thing I felt you could say, if you wanted to, but not something I would ever say.
2: Don't you think that's what happened?
1: I do, but to me it seemed unnecessarily cruel to keep bringing it up.
2: I appreciate that, but I've been trying to piece all this together and having all the pieces really would have helped.
1: Chris, I didn't know you as well back then. Feels to me like the sort of thing we could talk about now, but I didn't feel that way before.
2: Yeah, we've come a long way together. In those days right after the explosion, I don't think you would have ever told me how something feels to you like you just did. You, you would only have told me what you think. Or what the rule books say, but not how you feel. You're probably right. But but look, this isn't getting us any closer to this thing about our ship being the only one with a working compensator.
1: Oh, I think it is. See, I didn't want to talk with you about the relativity compensator because I thought it was possible that it... I, I think it killed your captain, who I know is someone you had strong and warm, positive feelings for.
2: I was in love with her. It's okay to say that.
1: Okay.
0: So, correct me if I'm wrong... But it sounds like you suspected from the beginning, this is what happened to Captain Sedona?
2: Yes,
1: because when we heard what was in her suicide note and you, Chris, you had your experience outside the ship, your perception of all time and space happening at once, that just made it all clearer to me. Looking out through the compensator oscillation field can be too much for some people, even people as extraordinary as Captain Sedona.
2: But when I told you what the universe looked like to me from out there, you were surprised. You were surprised and confused. I hope you're not telling me now that was all an act.
1: No, absolutely not. Here's the thing. I had read about what some researchers called a distortion effect and about a period of depression following those encounters. But the literature downplayed it. What I read was almost dismissive of the whole thing.
2: Wow, that is what happens when an account gets written by somebody who was not an eyewitness.
1: Exactly what I thought. So when we learned we'd lost the captain, I did wonder if it might be some part of what happened. So I didn't want to discuss it with you for fear that... Well, that you might start to suffer the same symptoms. And that's why I was so surprised when you saw the same things out there and why I have to tell you now why I was scared to death.
2: You were scared when I was out there being scared? Yes.
1: Scared for you. The only other person I was aware of who'd had that experience killed herself. And now we know Peter Miblin had it too.
2: Only in his case, it didn't break his brain. It just bent it severely. I think our
1: higher-ups at the Agency knew perfectly well this was going to happen.
2: Whoa, wait. They knew some of our people would go insane?
1: I think they believe they might, yes. And at the last minute, somebody, a, a, a subgroup of the decision-makers, they decided to just accidentally leave the Relativity Compensator out of the ships that were headed for the New World.
2: But that was, that was part of the covenant that the agency made with the nations of the world. We'd all get to talk with these intrepid voyagers all the way to their destination, and we'd get to hear about them planting the flag of Earth on a distant world.
1: And they knew they'd have to come up with an explanation for why nobody was hearing that.
2: But the other three ships are still out there, probably on course and with everything working fine. I think so, yes. Oh, that, that almost makes up for everything else. That's great news.
1: I'm glad to hear you're so happy about this. Some people would be jealous.
2: Jealous, just because I'm on the ship that's half blown up and most of the crew is dead. Come on, I'm I'm proud of this old bird. I mean, it's called the Ultimate, right? Ultimate. Yeah. If nothing else, I've always loved the names they chose for these ships. It's a, it's about all the Russian I know. Those four words, great choices. Budushchi, the future, and then Vishivanye right? Survival, and, and the other ones, uh. Obushchanyi, promise. Future, survival, and promise. And finally, Koniechni, the ultimate.
1: Uh, yeah, um,
2: about that. No, it means ultimate. Uh, Andre told me it, it means ultimate, that I'd be spending 20
1: years aboard the spaceship ultimate. He was being kind, for your sake. It means ultimate in the sense of, uh, not the last because it's the best, but that it's the last because that's all there is.
2: Oh, the last chance.
1: Maybe, or just the end. <sighs> I'm sorry, Chris, I, I
2: thought you knew. Oh no, I, I, I thought it meant we were the best.
1: And of
0: course, it's just a name. It really doesn't mean anything.
2: No, oh, it's it's important though, what, what you call things, people attached to names and concepts. You know, given all that
1: you've endured and survived there, you should start calling your ship the ultimate. Yeah endurance something like that.
2: No, I think the end fits pretty nicely. I'll I'll stick with Konechny. If it was if it was called a doomed voyage from the beginning, I'll keep the name just as an act of defiance. Huh? Take this thing all the way to the new world just to show them.
1: That's the Christopher Mason spirit.
2: It is. I mean, if they gave us the killer compensator that they didn't give anyone else, okay. I reject their attempt to drive us all crazy for no reason.
1: Well, there was a reason. Given what was known at the time about the compensator, I think it's completely obvious what happened.
0: Maybe it's obvious to you, but I'm gonna need a little bit of help.
1: Clearly the GSA deliberately chose to put a compensator on only one ship. It was a calculated risk they couldn't lose contact with all four but they didn't want to risk the known side effects either so they let the other three go knowing they'd lose contact with them but chose one so that if everything went well they'd be able to stay in contact with one of the ships
2: all the way it makes sense I hate to admit it but it does make sense
0: well if that's true it happened at some lower level of management because the top people at the agency think those three ships are lost forever They've talked about shutting down all the mission control centers, including this one.
1: What? Where did you get that?
0: Um, I'm sorry, boss. I've been trying to find the right time to tell you. But when I contacted the GSA to get the Master Command override password... The deputy director told me to be prepared to get shut down because all four misses were considered to be failures.
2: Hey, I'm still out here. That's what I told
1: him. It's been a disorganized group from the beginning. I've always thought that half the people in the agency don't have any idea what the other half is doing.
2: Which would explain why some people thought we were on the chopping block while others have been trying to help us.
1: (sighs) My thoughts exactly. Somebody in the agency had those compensator parts shipped to us. That was deliberate. You mean they wanted us to find them? Somebody did. It's the only possible explanation for there not being any secret storage somewhere else or not being destroyed.
2: Yeah, if they're the GSA's guilty secret, why not drop them in the ocean or shoot them into the sun? Exactly.
1: We may never know who the insider was who wanted to leave us a clue, but it was a clever way of doing it. He or she let us know without taking responsibility for flat out telling us what happened.
2: It's all so much to take in.
0: It is. My head is spinning.
1: So many
2: changes in perspective. I was just thinking that too, yeah. I, I, I've had to change my way of looking at things so many times. So
1: have I.
0: Yeah, if it's if it's okay for me to say this, it's kind of personal. No,
1: go ahead, I'd put you on the channel so you could say whatever you needed to say.
0: You've both changed a lot. You've started listening to what the other person says instead of just reacting to what you think they're going to say.
2: I, I think that's true, yeah.
0: I hope it's okay for me to say this, Doctor, but you've gotten a lot easier to work with.
2: I can think of better ways of saying that, but I, I, I do hear what you're saying. If, if you're right, I'm glad. You know I was the last person to join this mission. Everybody else had trained together, you know, formed their bonds and their cliques. And My idea was that I'd stick with this for 20 years, but nobody was going to tell me what to do in the meantime. You know, I, I'd follow orders when I agreed with
0: them. Of you course, I didn't so that say that in, that in any of the
2: interviews. Whoa. That's a first. That felt like, did you feel that?
1: I heard your voice in my head. Right.
2: I heard you speaking in my mind as I was hearing your voice.
1: Uh, what's
0: happening here? Uh, n- n- not sure. I
2: don't know. Do you hear that?
0: I do. Mar- Marcus, can you hear this? Uh, negative, I hear the two of you, but nothing
2: else. It, it's, it's the same overlapping voices, I always- this just what I heard before, before I heard my father's
1: voice. Christopher. You must remain connected. I hear her too. What? Christopher. I heard Captain Sedona. She said you must remain connected. Man, I wish I could hear this. Sophia.
2: Oh. oh. I, this ju- I, ju- I just heard a Sophia. man's voice. A man with a German accent. You must
1: remain connected. Now we're hearing each other's voices?
0: Christopher, Sophia, why are
3: there so, why? Why so, so many, many when all is one? All is one. Why, why are there so, so many, many when all is one? You must remain connected. You must remain
2: connected. Sophia, what's happening? I don't
3: know. Relativity, episode 40, in which Sophia and Chris are connected, was written Directed, and produced by Lee Shackleford. This concludes the fourth season of the Relativity series. Please listen and watch for the fifth and final season coming soon to this podcast. Featured in this episode were Alana Jordan, Lee Shackleford, and Clarence Brown. Dennis McLernan was heard as the voice of Sophia's father. Thanks yet again to Maureen Hannon. Спасибо. Find out much more about the series, including ways you can subscribe hear past episodes, like us on social media, and how you can get exclusive content, all on our website at relativitypodcast.com.
0: This is a Ninth World Journal. A careless experiment with a teleportation device has left me stranded in random places throughout the Ninth World, While trying to survive in these strange lands, I must find a way
3: to reverse my condition. A Ninth World Journal is a science fantasy audio drama podcast. Subscribe to listen or visit NinthWorldJournal.com.
1: I thought there were five people left, period, in the world. Then I meet you. Would it be okay if
2: I came inside for just a tiny minute. It's just that there are holes in the back of my sweater and the wind's really killer. No, I'm sorry. We don't let random strangers running from the woods into our house.
1: I'm not sure you get to make that decision. Don't you trust me? The last five people on Earth hear a knock at the door. StillLivesPodcast.com